0: Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies
1: secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical
0: device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. Welcome to another episode here on the MedTech Talent Lab. I'm your host, Mitch Robbins. I'm the founder and managing director at the Anthony Michael Group, where we help organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector uh, to build best in class teams in areas like regulatory affairs, quality, engineering, etc. cetera. Um, I'm excited about today's show and I'm grateful for our guest being here, Mr. Lee Lucembi. Um We're going to get into the, today's topic, but I want to tell you a little bit about his background. So Lee spent eight years as an enlisted member of the U.S. Navy. Uh, as far as education goes, he's got his bachelor's degree in international business and also holds his Lean Six Sigma black belt certification. Over the last 12 years or so, he has held various manufacturing leadership roles in and out of the med tech space. Uh, he even led the quality efforts for the implementation of a new prototype spacesuit for NASA that would be used on a lunar and in a Mars environment. Um, his core competencies are in areas like supply chain and procurement, operation strategy, utilizing his servant leadership to deliver superior performance and negotiate mutually beneficial uh, vendor relationships. And currently, he's serving as the vice president of a company called Revlar Labs, which is an organization that stands to disrupt the infectious disease diagnostic space, including COVID-19, with the use of the organization's patented molecular biosensors in vitro. So without further ado, Lee, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Mitch. Honor to
0: be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's my honor, man. It's my pleasure to have you today. And uh, we were talking offline. I'm so excited that you uh, were open to coming on as a guest. I've been following uh, you on social media, more specifically LinkedIn, for a while. And just so impressed by how you handle yourself in in a in the public eye. What I mean by that is you consistently put out content that is inspiring, it's motivating, it's real, it's personal. Uh, you incorporate stories, and you're always there to try and lift other people up, um, you know, and not asking for a thing in return, which is the best, the best part about it. And so I saw one of your stories about a situation of of yourself growing up and some of the adversity you'd overcome and what it taught you and really kind of, it was very inspiring, um, not only to me, but I know a ton of others just based on the engagement on the post. Um, And we're going to get into that story today. But Nonetheless, glad you're here and really kind of want to walk through um, just what's helped you become the man you are today and the leader that you are today with the hopes that people listening to this episode can really pick up a couple nuggets and and utilize in their own lives and in, in their own career for that matter. So um, if it's okay with you, can we start with, uh, with that story that I'm referring to? Sure. Cool. So I know it, it, as a kid... Um, you know, you faced a few different challenges. We all do, but this yeah. one in particular, uh, I'd love you to share the story um, and kind of uh, we could take it from there.
1: Yeah, so I grew up in a, a small community. Uh, it's a farming community, about 300 people, and it's a small school. I think we had about 19 people in our class. Uh, you know, I grew up in the '80s and I had a you know great childhood, but academically I, I struggled quite a bit. I grew up with really three, three issues, uh, I had a speech impediment, uh, I struggled with ADHD and I struggled with dyslexia. Well, the problem was only one of those were diagnosed That's the speech impediment. Yeah, you know, I went through speech pathology on most of my childhood, but the ADHD and the dyslexia in a small school in the eighties wasn't diagnosed. They just, what happened, they would put you into a class with other slow kids and they labeled you as a slow kid. it's kind of what ended up happening. And, uh, so in the second grade, I was a, a D student. That was part of that post that you're referring to. I uh, the teachers wanted to hold me back in second grade one more time, and uh, I, it was the most detrimental thing that's ever happened to me in my life. At that point, I did not want to be held back. Uh, my friends in my class were my support group. Uh, they were. I didn't want to leave them in the class below me. Uh, it was kind of like a rival class for us because that on a playground, you know, we were always back and forth and they were somewhat arch enemies <laughs> on the playground. Mm-hmm. So I was going to lose that support group and you know, join that class. And I tell, it was uh, a very emotional time for me. And um, I, I, I begged my parents to, to come up there and fight it. And they did. They, they moved me to third grade with my class, but I had to go into the slow kid classes, the remedial classes. So and effectively I was, kind of separated from them either way. And, uh, and that remedial class, it was more of a, of a ba- a babysitting environment. They we played games, uh, play Yahtzee and Uno <laughs> most, most days. It wasn't really trying to get us back in that classroom, which what I, what I wanted to do. So, uh, you know, I, I beg those teachers, uh, what can I do to get back in there? And, and, uh, one teacher in particular, uh, her name's Miss McCann. She, she saw my effort, my desire to get back into that classroom, so she uh, tutored me after after class and on, on the summers, and uh, after a year, I got back into the regular classroom, but I, I still struggled, I and mean, I was a C student at best, and uh, I basically taught myself how to read over a, a period of time, and even Miss McCann, who, who tutored me, she she didn't understand dyslexia at that time either. So it was the process of just trying to read, trying to get the words down and really trying to fight the ADHD, which, you know, I got distracted all the time. So not only could I not read, but standardized testing, you know, was just something I could not do. I couldn't sit down for more than 20 minutes and, and focus on anything, uh, much less a test that I had no interest in to begin with. Mm-hmm. So uh, that really it was kind of bittersweet because I get back into this classroom then I struggled and we get to the end of the year and they had assembly hall where they announced the uh A-B-on roles, rolls aon rolls all the UIL, all the academic awards were announced then so I I go to the assembly halls at the end of the year and they were uh my, my friends get called out and they uh, went win a award or two or three or four and at the end of that we're walking out of the assembly hall and my my friends are carrying armfuls of uh you know awards and trophies that they won and uh you know i was empty handed so that really motivated me more to to get to that level and uh to end you know i i mentioned this in this article or this uh post i made that uh but by the time i got into high school i kind of started overcoming it i taught myself how to read and i I put enough effort into it to get myself to the AB a roll, then eventually to the A on roll at the end of my high school career, which was kind of my goal. But
0: it's amazing! It's amazing. Which is so you mentioned your friends. You know, they were walking out with these trophies and things like that, and you're like, "Hey," kind of pushed me to. Is that pri- the the primary motivating factor at that point in your life? What did because you could have easily just be like, "I guess we play Yahtzee all day and we play Uno," <laughs> yeah. you know? Right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> you no, know, I think it was the labels. Uh, I didn't want to be labeled. I didn't want to be labeled slow kid. And also, I mean, kids were mean. Uh, and it's, yeah, you know, so there was, there was things that came with this, especially with a speech impediment. So not only could I not make good grades, I couldn't speak very well. So, you know, I got called all kinds of things like, you know, dummy, retard, you, you name the word. And I didn't want to be that. And I realized pretty quick that being, being the victim was easy and, but it was short term. Like it didn't help progress me anywhere like i could be i could sit there and be the victim all i wanted but it was just gonna get worse for me so i had to like chart my own journey and it's, it's kind of i learned it from a young age that to get out of this and to remove the labels from me and prove people wrong i was gonna have to you know get out of the room playing yahtzee and go out there and you know work at it which is what i did
0: Well, and perfect segue to what I was going to ask you is where does so I mentioned that you're consistently putting out positive messages, you're consistently putting out, you know, examples uh, for others to be inspired by. Clearly, this was a huge foundation for you, the way that you handled this piece of adversity in your life and the two different paths you could have taken. You could have just been like, you know, you could have been down on yourself even worse than people were getting down on you or making fun of you and just been like, this is who I am. Or mm-hmm. you could have taken the path that you chose to take and say, "No, I'm not. This is not okay. I'm going to figure this way out." You know, whether it's myself continue to put in the effort or people that you know continue to support me as well. But talk more about your mindset. Like, what? Do you, how would you define your mindset? On a, you know, everybody's got their ups and down days. But what is your overall mindset, and how do you continue to develop that?
1: Yeah, that's a tough question. Uh, you know, there, there's ways to develop it. So I think my my overall life uh where really this my career my educational experiences has put me in that mindset kind of leaving that victim mentality and getting into a you gotta work for it you gotta earn it uh, there's nothing given to you kind of thing but also i mean I, there's there's ways that i had to work every day like education is something i constantly do like i, I don't really read books like the actual book i listen to audible books out one a week at least i've done that for a long time uh most of them are audio books, you said, Audible books, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Audible, yeah.
1: So, uh, now I said I set a goal a while back to read, you know, one a week, you know, every throughout the entire year, and I just kept doing it like I love it, uh, so that that helps a lot, but it's it gives me motivation but also education because I think I learned more doing that than I ever did, you know, in a classroom, uh, so and then i the adhd piece of it i I gotta eat right i got i have to exercise those are things that i have to work on constantly if i I don't exercise or i eat you know the bad foods i'll I'll, uh you know it stems my focus and really i progress downward so uh but my overall mindset i I think i just i don't know i don't have a good answer to that question I, i think it's my childhood also the military experience helped a lot with that you know you get stripped of everything you have uh whether any awards or anything you did previously doesn't doesn't mean anything when you get in a boot camp you know you're you're all the same you gotta work it we're gonna start all over again and work your way back up and
0: why did you go to the military
1: (laughs) so I thought I thought I was a good student in high school but uh, I, I found out pretty quick that I'm, I'm very social so uh surprisingly social and I, I found myself uh, doing social events uh, my first few, few years in college and uh mm-hmm. I realized college wasn't gonna work out cause I, I didn't have that discipline I and mean, that that was that was the piece I, I missed the most you know I had the effort but I really didn't have the discipline and uh yeah mm-hmm. I knew I was gonna to have to do something different and I was always patriotic. I always wanted to go in, but I actually the reason why I became an A student in my junior senior year was because I was trying to get in the Air Force Academy and I didn't make my ACT score uh, was too low to get in. Uh, so I, I didn't go and I just tried a college route, didn't work out and, and ended up in the, in the enlisted ranks in the military.
0: Well, think about this adversity, adversity, adversity. You just gave three examples within the last 15 seconds. So then, so you got into the military. I want I'm curious how the experiences that, you know, all the way from boot camp through the course of your military, you know, enlisted career, um, how do these experiences shape you as a business leader? And what are the experiences that you leverage today?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's been everything for me because, you know, there's a term that I've heard before I, I went in, but I didn't know what it was. And that's leadership. And I found out pretty quick how important leadership is and how impactful that is in, in my career. when really everywhere, whether it's you know, family, my community, you know, just in the world. And if you, you see great leadership and what it can do, then you see poor leadership and what it can impact it will have on a community or a, a business. Uh, but Going back to that discipline part, I mean, it's, it helped me as much as anything to get, you know, on, on the tracks and going, going the right direction. And also organizational skills that I that was lacking, it, that helped a lot too. So I've taken those three things mostly out of the military into my career.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you mentioned leadership and you weren't, you know, I hear this term, what exactly is it? You kind of get into the military, have these experiences and start to see firsthand what is, you know, what's leadership. If I was to ask you to sum up, what, what does it mean to be a great leader? What would you say? And there's no right or wrong answer, but I think that I'd be curious to get your vantage point.
1: Yeah. So I'm, a, as you mentioned at the beginning of this, I'm a, some of a servant leader, I, I think you have to serve the employees that they're working for you. So uh, I, People know what micromanagement is. I think leadership is the opposite of that. You have to empower your employees. You have to allow them to make mistakes. You have to allow them the freedom to grow. And you have to give them the things they need to, to, to get there. So building the employees, whether it's employees or community or whoever it is that you're working with. And it's, it's it's not telling someone how to do something. It's, it's, it's giving them the power to go out there and do it. It's giving them the the ability to go out there and do it and and, enfranchisement's a good word too or not only are they filled in power but they feel like they can go out there and do it and tell you the results so a lot of time i tell my people that no don't come to me with a problem come to me with a solution i want to know your solution to this not not what the problem is so uh i don't know it's i I don't really it's hard thing to sum up i mean it's something i could write a book about and not really have a, a perfect summary for it but
0: and that's why exactly why I wanted to ask you, because I think everybody kind of understands it from, it's one of those things that everybody understands, everybody kind of feels the same way, but how do you articulate it? And sometimes <laughs> there's different nuances of and how people articulate it. Um, it's funny what you just said about coming to me with a solution, not the problem. I don't remember where I heard the story, but I've heard it a couple of times where <clears throat> there's an employee who makes a big financial mistake in the organization, cost the, the company thousands or if not millions whatever and he comes to his boss who i believe was the cfo maybe the ceo maybe it was the cfo who made the mistake and he comes to ceo something like that and he goes i'm turning in my resignation here he goes i you know made this horrible mistake uh you know here's what i did i fixed i did this and this i this but here's my resignation i'm so sorry he goes hold on hold on i don't accept your resignation he goes you said you wrecked oh no 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 he goes, is this ever going to happen again? He goes, oh, absolutely not. I know exactly what happened. But he goes, well, great. He goes, you, that's not a uh, – um, I, I, I'm not saying the story the right way. For people that are listening, to. to I guarantee you there's a lot of people that have heard this. But the, po- the moral of the story is he accepted responsibility. He knew what the solution was going to be. He rectified the situation. And he learned from his mistake and it wasn't going to happen again. And the boss is like, you're not going anywhere i you know that was a uh, 10 million dollar learning opportunity no no you're not going anywhere (laughs) does that make sense
1: absolutely makes sense yeah
0: yeah so that always sticks in the back of my mind when somebody says come to me with a solution not a problem so
1: yeah i learned that from uh, my chief when i was in the military uh well first i I asked you know like man i've got to make rank because i came in older i was in my early 20s and uh I, I was in there with 18 year olds in the, in the, as a grunt you know I, I didn't want to be with 18 year olds I wanted to be with the the tw- early 20 year olds who were e5s I was like chief how how can yeah. you become an e5 like i I, I got get there quick and that one one piece of advice he gave me go to your chief with a solution not the problem and also he gave me like seven things to do like if you do these seven things you'll be a e5 in two years. And I did those seven things, and I was E5 in a year and a half. So I I, I made it pretty quick, and I was wow. fortunate. Of people like him mentoring me throughout my, my career.
0: So there's a couple of things that you just said there. One is somebody gave you a roadmap and an action plan, right? and two, you executed.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. So you had to put trust in the fact that somebody was giving you a plan that you can put faith into. And then you put faith into the fact that okay, I know the roadmap, now I'm gonna execute. And I think a lot of times people don't have both. Or you know, sometimes they have zero, but sometimes they may execute, but they don't know where they're going, right? They feel like they're working towards something, but they don't necessarily have the vision or the roadmap. Or sometimes they know what they need to do but they don't do it. Exactly. And then they wonder why they're not moving ahead. So right where does your motivation stem from? Cause everything that you've shared in the last few minutes, since we started the show has, there's a, a level of motivation that is not necessarily inherent in everyone.
1: Yeah. I think we touched on some of it. I mean, there's, I keep motivation for different places, but I think originally it was having that chip in my shoulder as a kid, uh, proving people wrong, uh, not being labeled, uh, removing those labels and, you know, just showing me I could do it. And I, I kind of cured that with me through my early careers. And, you know, as soon as I started some kids, I have you know, two boys, a family, and two kids, or a wife and two kids. Uh, that provided a whole new level of motivation, I think. And it's really kind of put me into the level I'm at now where I just, I can't let them down. I'm not going to let them down. I, I want to give them, provide for them what you know I didn't have growing up. And you know, that's you know, kind of my other motivation is that, is that piece of it. I think it's two part.
0: I'm sitting here thinking because a lot of people will say that, but then when the rubber when the rubber's supposed to meet the road, they don't have that extra gear, right? I think everybody inherently wants to provide their for their family and and uh, be seen as you know um, someone that can that can be counted on. I think there's another gear with you though.
1: Well, you know that's a good question, and uh, that's a good, a good point, a good a good observation. And I think uh, Jocko Willings, you know him, the Navy SEAL. Absolutely. So he has a quote. I'm gonna get it wrong. Something about discipline eats motivation for breakfast. So motivation is only can only last so much. You can be motivated for a day or, you know, an hour or however long. But I think that's maybe a bit of a difference for me. I I have to have a morning routine, I have to be disciplined. I have to do this, get into a routine, you know, whether it's exercise, you know, health you know all these things uh you know journaling is a big thing i do i try to journal every day if i get off that path i know that my motivation wanes you know pretty fast and maybe that's it i don't know but
0: yeah well i want to go with that for a minute because I, I think you're absolutely right and i love that quote i know what you're talking about the the one that he has um <clears throat> what are some of the daily habits you mentioned journaling you mentioned that you regularly listen to audiobooks what else keeps you you know, uh, in tip-top shape to continue to take tackle on each day. What what other daily habits would you say you have?
1: Yeah, you know, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's it's getting up early before you know, the family does. Uh, getting you know some sort of meditation going, uh, or journaling in the mornings. Uh, getting my to-do list down. I don't have the best morning routine. I just have a routine, Yeah, I think that's the most important part. You know, outlining what has to, what's going on that day. If if I Stone, I'll forget about it and uh just trying to you know control the day instead of day controlling you and uh so that's a big piece of it and then going to the gym working out you know it's, it's mandatory I listen to audible books uh during that time so that's kind of killing two birds with one stone I'll also listen to audible books you know picking my kids up from school to and from in, in the vehicle uh and just uh, trying to eat healthy. I mean, that's that's the hardest part, especially when you have kids. to trying to get the the right things. But
0: uh, you're telling me you? <laughs> <laughs> you preach it to the preach it to the choir. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's good stuff. I I think you hear that from a lot of successful people, as far as these regimens, these habits, right? Yeah. And it's not just here and there. It's a it's a true routine, a, a daily habit. And the longer, what do they say? I think they say that it takes eight weeks. Believe it's eight weeks to form a new habit. Um, So just that consistency. But you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I've been inspired by you, just kind of following from afar and seeing what's going on online and how you're consistently uh, out there putting out great, great stuff, especially on LinkedIn. You mentioned you have a family. You're you're a vice president at a company. You've got your own, you know, personal stuff. Why take the time to put out all this regular content to try and help other people?
1: Ooh, I think there's some bit of a therapeutic piece of that. I mean, being able to write about it. Uh, yeah, I've taken a hiatus from watching the news. Uh, I, I think that there's so much negativity out there. Uh, I don't know. I, and that, to me, kind of drove me down. I, I got really involved in that at one point, especially the uh, politics going on. Uh, and I noticed there was no no really benefit from any of it. And so there's there's that aspect of it that I think just writing something positive and inspirational helps me. And it's, it's somewhat personal for me, but hoping to you know reach people, hoping to, uh, it, it helps them because going back to the leadership, most of my posts are revolving around leadership. That's the one thing I've seen that's been uh, the most powerful thing in my life, my career, is trying to uh, understand what good and bad leadership looks like because a lot of people I've worked with, they had never seen good leadership and they're stuck in a toxic environment with a, a bad leader. Then uh, I want them to be able to recognize that and be able to change it because I mean, it impacts people's lives. And it's not quantifiable. Talk about, you know, summing up leadership. Everything in our professional career seems like it's quantifiable. I mean, it seems like we can measure, you know, sales. We can measure, you know, KPIs. We can measure you know, so many different things. But one thing we don't know how to measure is how impactful a leader is, and that's that's mostly a business sense. I mean, you kind of you kind of can in, in athletics with, with with college coaches. You know, you have a win loss record, which yeah. you know, tells you a lot about a leader. But you don't really have that in most businesses. That's I hope people can realize the differences between good and bad leadership and I don't know, make people's lives better. Because I've been in situations where I've been under really bad leadership and it's destroyed people's lives and destroyed people's careers. And to me, that's that's a shame because one person can do that to uh, an employee and it's, it ha- it happens a lot.
0: Well, I know you're having a positive effect because, I, like I said, I see the comments, I see the engagement, I see the consistency that you have, and I applaud you and I appreciate it because we need more people like you, like you, who are trying to lift other people up selflessly. It. Um, and it, clearly, there's a passion that you have for you know, continue to develop yourself as a leader, develop others, and help ev- other people. You know that you're not, you don't even know directly, but trying to help influence in a positive way online. So. Kudos to you. I want to wrap up with uh, two things. Um, uh, I mentioned the company, Revelar Labs. Anything in particular that you, you're super excited about that you can talk about that uh, for those that might not know about the company as far as what's going on?
1: Well, yeah, we're still operating incognito. It's a startup. And we have a, a technology, a breakthrough technology for COVID diagnostics. It's going to allow us to test an you know, over-the-counter top test that will be... Uh, you know results within seconds also a cost that's going to be very affordable uh so that that product's very exciting i think it not only can change covid diagnostics but it's also a way we can uh, test other different viruses or uh bacterias or diseases awesome the platform brand new and we got some very gracious investors who invested in it so we're, we're trying to get that going through the fda and then uh hopefully out to the public in, by the end of the year.
0: Super cool. And is the, uh, the whole company, uh, is every, are the employees that the company has today, Are they, is everybody in Texas or are there remote employees as well?
1: No, we're, we're all remote. We don't, we don't, yeah, we don't have an office. We're totally virtual.
0: Well, welcome to the, to the new age, I guess, right? Especially, <laughs> yeah. especially these days. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, appreciate
0: it. If it's okay with you, I'll make sure to include a link in the show notes as far as how people can check out more about the company. Okay. But I want to wrap up with—I don't know where I saw it that you posted it—but you said something about we're all authors of our own stories, and it's just, it's just so true. Will you just kind of clarify what you meant by that?
1: Yeah, it's a good way to sum up this because we kind of talk about it throughout this conversation. Is that you know there's there's so many opportunities to to uh, you know be the victim, you know be you know not going through the, the efforts to, to to reach your goals i mean because to me meeting my goals is, is everything you know whether it's a family goal or a professional goal or a you know personal development goal like i if i don't have goals I'm, I'm not really effective as as a man or as a leader or as you know a husband or as an employee so uh i hear i have a lot of I hear on TV, social media, you know, even my friends, I hear them complain about what they don't have. You know, they they were dealt a bad hand, and that they're going to let that, you know, dictate their future, and they're they're more worried about the starting line than they are the finish line. So I, I think there's so much, you know, missing there. Like it don't matter you know, you see all kinds of people who are successful, who came from nothing, who, you know, was, I mean, look at the Oprah Winfrey story, and that's just amazing within itself. So you tell me that people like that who have had nothing, you know, can be successful as Oprah Winfrey, but, you know, someone who, you know, was dealt a learning disability or, you know, you know, whatever it might be, you know, can't be. So I just think that, there's so much we can do to impact our own lives. A lot of people are just waiting for things that happen to them instead of going out there and and dictating those things. So,
0: Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. It's just basically the, um, that regardless of our situation, we still have the ability that we have to positively impact our life one way or the other. Right. Right. And I love that about you. It's so true. I mean, people that grow up poor, people that have, um, you know, a, uh, a disability people, just the, in, the inspiration from you and other folks like yourself that, Hey, let's, it is what it is, but what can we, what is the best possible outcomes we can achieve and how let's work towards those right. Versus just being accepting and being a victim. I love it.
1: Yeah.
0: Lee, thank you so much for being here, man. I really appreciate mm-hmm. uh, the time that you devoted to uh, being on the show. I think it's a lot of great stuff today and certainly wishing you guys as a team down at Revlar, uh, the best as you try to roll this out.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab
0: podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.